It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's Word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring Truth Unfiltered to you. Here's Pastor Chad. There's one particular night where all those elements actually took place physically in the sky. In the constellation Virgo, the Virgin, the sun was setting, and so the, the sun was, uh, was at her midsection. She's clothed with the sun. The moon was rising, and the moon was at her feet. And in the Middle East, 12 stars were visible around her head. And... Um, the uh, Scorpio and Libra, the constellations, are visible. And in those days, there were one constellation known in the ancient world as the dragon. So you have a woman, sun in her midsection, moon at her feet, 12 stars around the head, dragon. And that doesn't happen all the time. It happened very, very rarely. And the only time during the time of Jesus that happened was September 11th, 3 B.C., from 6.15 p.m. until 7.45 p.m. And so there is, there's a theory out there that what John is describing are the celestial events that took place on the night that Jesus was born. And if that's the case, now y'all know he wasn't born on December 25th. Y'all do realize that, right? Okay? So if that's the case, Jesus may have been born on September 11th, 3 B.C. If that's the case, on that very night in the constellation Leo, the lion, which is equated by the ancient world with the nation of Israel, there's a conjunction with Jupiter, which is known as the king of the stars. or the, We know it's a planet, but it'll look like a star. There's a conjunction with Jupiter and uh, Regulus, which is known as the little prince, and it looks like one star. And so if you're in the Middle East, you could say to yourself, wow, in the lion, in Judah, in Israel, a king, a prince has been born. And one more thing, if that's the case, if September 3rd or September 11th, 3 BC, is the night on which Jesus was born on the Jewish calendar, that's Tishri 1, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the new year, which is the day on which in the Old Testament kings were crowned in Israel. And so the the wise men see something and, and they know something significant has happened. And look at this. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. Catholics, not them. He worshiped him, Jesus. Now, we don't uh, think that the wise men were actually there on the night of Jesus' birth. We think they came later, maybe in a, several months, maybe in a year, maybe in up to two years later. Why? Because verse 11, it says they did not come to the house or the stable. It says they come to the house. Do you see that? So Jesus is no longer in the stable. He's now in the house. And in verse 11, it says they visited the child, not the baby. That's a different word in the Greek language. And then later, Herod, hoping to kill Jesus, says, I want everybody aged two years old and younger in Bethlehem to, to be killed. And so this may have been up to two years after the night of the nativity. But I want you to see this. These wise men took a lot of risks to come and worship Jesus. If they are from Persia, they're coming from at least a thousand miles away through dangerous territory, bad weather, 
bandits. It takes them a long time to get there. They went through a lot to go worship Jesus Christ. Now, can I get on my little high horse and my throw a little hissy fit for just a second here? Here's my only concern. Now, if you're watching online today, I understand you have to do it. I get it. It's going to be over. But here's my only concern about this whole coronavirus thing. When this is over, some of y'all are going to think it's perfectly acceptable to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your bathrobe in front of your computer eating Cheerios. That is not acceptable. That's not worship. Y'all do realize that's not worship, right? And I am amazed at how the church in America will defend our guns, We'll defend our right to choose. We'll defend everything, but we won't defend our right to worship. We have just folded like a cheap tent here in America. It doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, listen to this. In Oregon, they just legalized heroin and cocaine. So a family of four in Portland can now snort lines of cocaine together, inject heroin, and they're not breaking the law. But if they go and join 20 other, 25 other Christians and worship without a mask, they could be taken off to prison. Explain that to me. We're now living in a country where you can do cocaine in your home, but you can't go worship Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. In California, you can go to a strip club, you can go to an abortion clinic, You can go to a marijuana dispensary, and it's okay. But if you go to church, you can be fined and put in jail. And these wise men said, I don't care what it costs us. I don't care how long it takes us. I don't care what we have to go through. That's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're going to go worship him. And these are pagans who say that. And when they finally get to Jesus, it sounds like a Pentecostal worship service. It's loud. Do you see that in verse 10? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And it was physical. They physically, verse 11 says, fall down before Jesus. It's loud, it's active, and it's physical. Some of y'all may be new to Pentecostalism. This may be your first time at RFA Church. And you look at these people singing loud and jumping up and down and raising your hand. And you're saying, what's their problem? Here's their problem. We were headed toward a devil's hell for all eternity. And that man saved our soul, forgave us our sins, adopted us as a child of God, said, I am yours and you are mine and I love you with an everlasting love and we can't help it. We can't keep it inside. That's our problem. These pagan wise men from Persia could teach the American church something about worship. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's talk about that. Gold traditionally was a gift that you would give a king. A king's crown would be made of gold. If you went to visit royalty, you would bring gold as a gift. These wise men knew Jesus was a king. Verse 2, it says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? I've told you this before. When we say Jesus is Lord, what we're saying is this. He is king, he is owner, he is ruler, he calls the shots. I don't get to define what marriage is. Jesus gets to define what marriage is because he's king. I don't get to define what sexual ethics are. He gets to define it because he's king. He calls the shots. When it it says they gave him gold, they recognize Jesus is Lord. He is king. He is the owner. In fact, I've told you this before. Every major religion has a motto, okay, okay? 
The motto for the Jewish religion is called the Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The motto for Islam is there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. But for 2,000 years, the motto of Christianity is this. Jesus is Lord. He is king. He is Lord. He is God. And somehow, these people recognize that. Tell you something. Nobody wants to go to hell. I, in fact, you know what? I can go anywhere in the world, and I can, uh, I can lead thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. I can say to a big crowd, how many of y'all do not want to sizzle for all eternity in immense pain? Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Then repeat this after me. They repeat it after me, and done. We've got it. You understand Jesus Christ is more than just a Savior who saves us from hell. Before he's Savior, he's Lord. That means when I surrender my life to Jesus, I now say, I am not in charge. This isn't my family. That's not my car. That's not my house. Jesus is yours. I surrender it all to you. Jesus is Lord. In the book of Acts, Jesus is called Savior two times. He is called Lord 92 times. The emphasis is before anything else, he is king. Listen to me. Jesus Christ doesn't want to be resident in your life. He wants to be president of your life. He wants to take charge and control. And I don't know how they did it. But these disciples, or probably these wise men understood that that little child in that house being held on the lap of a peasant teenage girl, he's Lord, he's king. Secondly, they give him frankincense. Do you see that? Frankincense was a sap from a tree, very expensive sap. Frankincense is mentioned 17 times in the Bible, and it's almost always connected with the priesthood. Exodus 30, verses 30 through 34, there's a sacred perfume with a special recipe made out of frankincense that only the priests could burn. And so what these wise men understand is, not only is he Lord, is he king, but he's also a priest. Eleven times in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is called our high priest. You know what a priest does? A priest stands between you and God, okay? We only have one priest, his name is Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can go, listen to me, because Jesus Christ is our priest, we can go directly into the throne room of God any time we want. And again, I'm not trying to bash my Catholic friends, but you don't have to go through Mary and you don't have to go through the saints. Because you belong to Jesus Christ and you're now an adopted child of God, you can go directly to the presence of God without any other intermediary. And again, what blows my mind are these pagans from Persia, recognize this. This guy's going to be a priest. He's going to allow people to come into the very presence of God, and that's why they give him frankincense. Yeah, I was reading about um, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln had a kid, I think he was like six, seven, eight years old, named Tad, a little boy when, when Lincoln was in the White House. And he used to make his cabinet mad because Tad, this little boy, anytime he wanted to, could walk into the Oval Office. If they're in the middle of a cabinet meeting, sometimes the door would come open and little Tad would run right in. And they're like, do something. He said, no, this is my son. He can, he can come anytime he wants. In fact, there's this one little story. When the cabinet was meeting, it's during the Civil War, they're discussing strategy, they're in the Oval Office, the cabinet's getting kind of tense, and the door pops open, and it's, it's Lincoln's little boy runs in. And he's got this um, toy soldier doll that he loved. He named him Jack. And he interrupted his dad, and he says, hey, Dad, he's I got a problem. Lincoln said, what? He said, my, my uh, soldier Jack, he committed a war crime and he needs to be shot. 
And he said, he does. He said, yeah. He said, Dad, I don't, want, I don't want Jack to die. Could you write him a presidential pardon? And so Lincoln stopped his cabinet meeting, and he writes a presidential pardon for Jack right there on the spot and gives it to his little boy. Now, that made the cabinet mad, but what Lincoln was saying is, I don't care who y'all are, this is my boy, and he can come into my presence anytime you want. Listen to me. God is your father if you're a born-again believer. And God says, you know, I'm making the sun rise. I'm keeping the planets in alignment. I'm deposing this king. I'm raising up that king. But I'm never too busy for you to come into my presence anytime you want and pray and talk and fellowship. Why? Because Jesus is our priest. And finally, they give baby Jesus some myrrh, which is kind of surprising. Myrrh is referred to about 17 times in the Bible. The first time myrrh is offered to Jesus is here in this passage when he's a little baby, a little kid. The second time is when he's hanging on a cross, dying. And they offer him myrrh because they felt that myrrh maybe had a slight pain-relieving quality. Isn't that interesting? His life begins with an offer of myrrh, and his life ends with an offer of myrrh. Myrrh basically was an embalming fluid. In John 19, 39, when Jesus died, Joseph of Arimathea brings 100 pounds of myrrh to embalm Jesus. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Why, why, if you're, why would you do that? I understand the gold, okay? I understand the frankincense, why do you bring embalming fluid to a baby shower? I mean, can you imagine that? I got the pampers. I got the wipes. I got the powder. I got the embalming fluid. It just doesn't make sense, does it? But somehow these wise men understood gold, yeah, he's king. Frankincense, yeah, he's priest. But myrrh, he's our sacrifice. He's going to die for us one day. And they recognized that. And in bringing this myrrh to Jesus, they recognized that baby was born to die. And beloved, it's kind of interesting that in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, when Isaiah is describing the millennial kingdom, when Jesus Christ comes back to rule the world, y'all believe Jesus is coming back? Isaiah 60, when he comes back to rule the world, I think it's verse 6, it says, wise men will come and bring him gold and frankincense but they don't mention myrrh. Why? Because his death is in the past. He died once for all humanity. It's over with. Now, here's the significance of this. And I don't, wherever I'm at, if you're on TV or Facebook, I need you to listen to me. Without Jesus' death on the cross, without understanding that he died in your place, you have no hope of eternal life. Well, pastor, there are many ways to God. Listen to me. I believe all roads lead to God. We're all going to go to God one day. The question is, once we stand before God, what's going to happen to us after that? I don't care what religion you are. One day you will stand before the God of the universe. The question is, when you stand before him, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And Jesus makes it very clear. If you haven't, God is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And it breaks my heart to think there are people listening to me who do not know what's going to happen to them when they die. I was, um, I don't know if we were there or somebody was telling us about this, but there's an antique shop, and there's this, I think maybe one of our family members telling about this. This little kid was running around, this little rat was just, parents couldn't control him, and he hits this thing after his parents had told him to stop running, and he knocks over like a vase, a real expensive vase, and it shatters. 
And the parents say to the um, shop owner, I'm so sorry. It was an accident. And the shop owner says, I know, but you're going to have to pay for it. Yes, but it was an accident. Yeah, I know, but you're going to have to pay for it. No, we're not paying for it. (laughs) The shop owner says, look, either you're going to have to pay for it or I'm going to have to pay for it. Somebody's going to have to pay for it. And you and I are sinners. We have sinned. Every one of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the holy God of that universe looks at that sin and says, somebody's got to pay for this. <laughs> well, pastor, the big guy and I, we, we have this understanding. Okay, If you're calling the God of the universe who created all things the big guy, you probably don't know him as well as you think you know him. <laughs> the big guy and I have an understanding. No, no, no. God says, somebody's got to pay for your sin. Either you're going to pay for it or somebody else is going to pay for it. And praise God, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth and he paid for it. He paid for your sin. And now when you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a messed up person. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I surrender my life to you. At that moment, Jesus Christ takes control of your life. He scatters your sin as far as the east is from the west. He buries it in the deepest part of the sea and puts a no fishing sign on top of it. He says, it is done. It is finished. You're forgiven. And now you're a child of the most high God. Somehow, somehow those wise men understood that. It's beloved, as I read the Christmas story, and I love, I love Christmas, but I can't remember what uh, Talladega Nights or something like that, they kept calling Jesus little baby Jesus. Okay, Some of y'all think, well, he's, he's just little baby Jesus. He's this nice, cuddly little baby. And then he grows up to be a nice white guy with his hair slicked back, holding sheep all day. He's just a really nice guy. That's not Jesus. In fact, H.G. Wells, the British author, said, quote, I am an historian and I'm not a believer, but I must confess that as a historian, this penniless preacher from Nazareth is easily the most dominant figure in all of human history. That's Jesus. And it's interesting. The Bible often places an emphasis on the order. The order of the gifts are important. What's the first gift? Gold, he's king. Then frankincense, he's your priest. And then he's myrrh. Yeah, he's, he's your savior. And I think what the Bible is trying to tell us, before Jesus Christ can be anything in your life, he must be Lord. And if you think, I want to say it again, if you think Christianity is you say some silly little prayer and you have a baptism certificate signed and you can live like hell for the rest of your life, that's not Christianity. Christianity is saying that man, Jesus Christ, wasn't just man. He was God and he died for my sins. And now I am signing over the title deed of my life to him. It's not my life. It's his life. Jesus is Lord. That's Christianity. And I think Jesus, I'm going to tell you, I never knew love until I met Jesus. Look, y'all, y'all the same. Your mama's love as you think mamas can't love. Nobody can love you like a mama. Okay, I, I get it. But you didn't know love until you surrendered your life to Jesus. He loves you more than your mother could ever love you. I never knew what friendship was. I've got friends and I love friendships and all that kind of stuff. But I he's my best friend. I never knew what kind of peace I could have 
until I understood Jesus is for me. And if Jesus is for me, who can be against me? And he's going to take care of everything. I love that peace. But before he's the peace speaker, before he's the friend, before he's the one who loves me more than my mom can love me, before he's any of that, first of all, he's got to be Lord. And in fact, there's an interesting story. One of the heroes of the British Empire was a man named Lord Nelson. Lord Nelson had a battle with the French at sea, and the British beat the French. And so the French say, we surrender, battle's over. And, um, and so they said, we, we, we want to have a surrender ceremony. And so the French fleet came, they anchor, and the French admiral goes aboard Lord Nelson's ship to surrender. And the British admiral, he has his regalia on. He's got his swords uh, swinging by his side, those hats they used to wear, the epaulets. He has all that. And he comes aboard to surrender, and he sees Lord Nelson, and he walks toward him, and he reaches out his hand to shake his hand. And Lord Nelson said, your sword first, then your hand. Now, swords in those days symbolized, you know, submission to authority. And here's what he's saying. Before I shake your hand and become your friend, you got to surrender to me first. Your sword first, then your hand. And that little baby, born in Bethlehem, lying in a manger, is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And before he's my savior, before he's my friend, before all of that, I've got to surrender to him first. And I want you to stand with me right now because some of y'all have never surrendered to Jesus. I just say it again. There's one way to salvation. His name is Jesus. Now, again, I kind of played a little mind game with you. When I told you all roads lead to God, y'all know what I mean, right? I don't care what religion you are. One day you're going to stand before God. The question is, are you going to go to heaven or hell after that? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. And if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to do something. I want you to bow your head right now. And just forget about everybody else who's in this place. It's just you and Jesus right now. Y'all know mantras don't save you. You don't repeat this magical formula and now you're saved. No, Jesus saves you. But if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, forget about everybody else that's in this place right now. And I want you to say this to Jesus. And I want you to mean it with all your heart. Say this to him. Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm a messed up person. I've done some bad things. You can say this. I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. You you took my punishment. You, You paid the price of my sin. Say this to him. I believe you were buried and I believe God raised you from the dead. In other words, Jesus, you're alive right now. Now say this to him, and you need to mean this with all your heart. Lord, I turn away from my sin, and I surrender to you. Come and take control of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. You say, Pastor, is that it? I think so, because here's what my Bible says. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hey, there's a man 
dying next to Jesus. This is a bad, bad man. And all he does is turn to Jesus, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God said, amen. Hey, now remember I told you, when the wise men came to worship Jesus, they, 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 they got Pentecostal on Jesus. They got loud, they worshiped with exceedingly great joys, and they got physical, they fell down before the Lord. I don't want a bunch of pagans from Persia to out-worship the people of God. And so if you are a born-again child of the Most High God, if your soul has been saved by Jesus, if you have the hope of eternal life, if you know that God is for you, and if God be for you, who can be against you, then I want you to shout, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands and let's worship Jesus Christ right now. He is King of kings and Lord of lords and he's coming back. Hey, it might be today. He may come back today. Are y'all ready for him? For millennia, God's people have gone out to do battle. The priest has spoken this Hebrew blessing over the people of God. You're the people of God. You go out and do some battle this week. You can battle against the flesh and Satan and this world. You're going to do some battle. But I want you to receive this blessing as you leave. Yavarekika Adonai Vishbareka. Yer Adonai Penyav Elokavikuneka. Yisaw Adonai Penavalecha. Vaisim Lecha Shalom. Church of the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his countenance to you and give you shalom, peace, wholeness, strength, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit we pray forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's go change this world for Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly right here in the Triangle. There are currently two locations, Yonkers Road right off the Beltline near Capitol Boulevard and the North Raleigh campus near Triangle Town Center. But a celebration to soon launch a third campus will be coming in Benson. Cross Assembly believes in building people up and sending out spirit-filled agents of local and global transformation. So missions is part of the core value at Cross Assembly. You're invited to continue listening here on the radio or join in Sundays online or on campus. Visiting crossassembly.org to find out more about Cross Assembly and how you can get connected. That's crossassembly.org. We were starting a process through the private adoption agency. We were presented with the foster care system and the opportunity to become foster parents. Got a referral for our first daughter. Doctors said she might not walk. There has been severe trauma in the head. She might not see. She might not be able to move. I asked the nurse, can we hold her? And she said, yes. About an hour and a half, almost two hours. I remember holding her and praying, God, is this what you want for us and our family? Heal this baby. Touch her. The next day when we came back, the nurse and the doctors were amazed. They were asking us, what did you do to this baby after you left? 
she started moving, she started reacting, she started tracing, something that she hadn't done in about a month that she had been there. I know a lot of people said, I don't understand how you can foster, where they can be at your home one minute, and then maybe a month later when you're starting to get attached, the social worker says, okay, there's a family placement, or there's someone else that will be adapting the child. And we said, even if it's for one night, we know that they're in a safe home, we know that they will be loved, and we know that we have the opportunity to show Christ to them. Please pray for the kids in the foster system. Please pray for more people to open up their hearts, to open up their homes. There's opportunities, whether it be supporting a family that has adopted either privately or through foster system. Feels good that our family adopted three little girls. I can't imagine my sisters not being a part of our family because they mean so much to us. And we felt like God was calling us to do that. Maybe God's, God's calling you to adopt. If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. You're always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's truth unfiltered. Unfiltered.